Hey, Ken. So what are we talking about today? We are doing the preface for the Statues episode, which we recorded a couple weeks ago with Marcus. Oh, yes. I remember that episode. That was uh, that was great. We um, talked about, we had Marcus in the studio, talked about... Um, All kinds kind of stuff. Of, yeah. Literally the, everything under the sun. Yeah. Like, but I'm, I'm glad that we had him here because as, as like a... I guess Marcus kind of specializes in urbanism and does a lot of work um, with research with Detroit. So it was good to having him here um, as another person to bounce off of um, as far as how we think yeah. about urban issues in the city. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of thought it was going to be more of like a straightforward conversation about the research we had done on the statues in D.C., but I guess like any good conversation, hopefully it evolves or or guess, I guess devolves in some, in some places uh, to talk about a larger context that that research lives within, right? Like we talked about media in the country, we talked about race, we talked about social context, urban design, um, a lot of different, a- different angles. And I really appreciate that uh, Marcus kind of always brings a very thoughtful and genuine approach to the way he, you know, sees things. And it was, it was really refreshing sometimes to, because sometimes we can, you know, be going back and forth at, at a different pace, you know? Yeah, it's definitely a pleasure to have him in the studio. All right, yeah. buddy. So uh, I guess we'll get started. Yeah. Um, just one more thing. Uh, before we start, um, this this uh, audio discussion is accompanied by graphics um, and a primer piece that we wrote for this research. So uh, please refer to the graphics like, as you wish. And it kind of explains um, our research that started this whole conversation about the location and the uh, the description of the statues in D.C. and kind of... Uh, gives a little more background. So, yeah, enjoy. A lot of the trends that were found were, were, were probably ones that you could have hypothesized from the beginning. Um, but a lot are relatively surprising. and, and Well, not surprising. A lot are, There's some interesting trends happening right now. And it's just an interesting dialogue to have because there is really one Confederate statue in D.C., and I might be missing some some busts or some plaques or some buildings, but it's hard to kind of talk about what a statue is. And I kind of limited it to a uh, a monument to a person that has died that is, you know, probably over the size of of six or feet or taller of an actual person. That's mm-hmm. something that commands public space. Mm-hmm. That is a standalone object, mm-hmm. not in a cemetery. That is in public space and that has um, that is surrounded by some sort of public area, right? So, there's tons of statues that are on bridges, that are on buildings and tablatures. There, there's there are tons of statues that exist in cemeteries, but if you go into that realm, it's just there's so many ways that people complex. are it gets, it right. It's much more complex. So they, you know, there's 150 plus here already, and they're they're just the ones that organize space. Um, so that I mean, the main the main kind of takeaway from all of this is even though there's no confederate statues we just we just enter the kind of realm of who is being monumentalized and what does that mean so you know the trends are overwhelming um there's been what was the final number that you came up with what were the total uh civil war monuments so basically i broke up the statues into like into some distinct categories there was the there was founders and like revolutionary almost like mythic and general warfare figures like Mm -hmm. the people that were first looked to to kind of once you know the um, city planning started in the United States, mm-hmm. city beautiful movement, kind of how you know when we started thinking like you know the Parisian European style of how to plan cities. DC is an awesome example. Mm-hmm. Um, who we were looking to as like the American identity, right? And that's, and the in the Revolutionary War, the founding fathers were there, right? They were people that 
were the people that were the early heroes of the country, right? But you know, they all happened to be white men, and you, and I started thinking, okay, like those are the people that had opportunities. Those are the people that at that point in time in society were able to hold those highest positions, right? So it's always this duality of yes. Every single person that was a founding father deserves to be memorialized to a degree. We can get into Thomas Jefferson in a little bit or people like that, right? But um, they also happen to be white men because that was how society was, right? right? So as, as you move through the main wars and cultural movements that uh, create and shift our societies, you go from the revolution, you go into the civil war, which really was kind of the true beginning of the modern nation, right? And after that, you kind of have the Civil War generals. The Union generals were the next heroes of the American identity, right? Um, and D.C., I mean, that was when D.C. was really, its planning came into fruition, right, in the, the late 1800s. So you have the McPhersons and the Logan Logan Circle, McPherson's, you know, McPherson Square. They're all generals, right? Yes, all, all the Union, Union generals. Right, all Union generals in, in, in purple. You have Lincoln, obviously, who is, who is the main kind of caveat for all of this, but sure. they were the ones that were chosen to organize public space, right? And it's, it's kind of amazing because I know at every single circle and every like major intersection, I'm going to find a man on a horse, but right. it never really hit me until you put the map together that the entire kind of nexus of the LaFont plan, every single diagonal connection is the civil war. Right. And like, it, like that, those are the nodes yeah. that hold it together. And I didn't, I never, like I knew that the majority of them were and like subtly knew, but I like, I didn't realize that it, it literally is the fabric that holds those diagonals together. Right. And, and this is the question, the question that might, I might want to answer by the end of this conversation. Like obviously those nodes hold a place and they're permanent, Right. But is it is it such a radical idea to say maybe that's not how it should be? Maybe there should be a second statue placed in that node to kind of compete of someone of a of a marginalized you know, or you know minority group or a woman or an African American. There's a lot of the primary spots are taken up, and like you can't change that, right? And like they just happen to be mostly white men. So like how how do you kind of the next twenty, thirty, fifty years of planning in D.C. How do you kind of address the need for the kind of social like unconscious and conscious behavior for people to look up and see people that look like them mm -hmm. or how do you not put certain ethnicities of, of statues of people in the corners of cities where they're not going to be seen so that, that's this kind of thing the question i've been wrestling in my head right, right? so um well maybe so i the way i would start to start a, another conversation about that is thinking back to the the map we were just looking at where you know you have um, the majority of of of, 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 of white people in, in DC in the, in the in the District of Columbia context living in sort of the downtown area, it kind of makes sense, right? So you have these majority uh, white white people in general, white males, but white people in general, sort of concentrated in this sort of civic space, this sort of planned area where most the majority uh, people that live there are white people. Um, it kind of makes sense, right? Um, and but then you kind of look at you know where the other minorities, um, or the minorities in general in, in DC kind of live, and you start to see, you know, what public figures are being paraded in front of them, right? And it's either, um, it's either a, a, a minute version of what's of what exists in the downtown core of DC, or it's 
in some inconvenient location, right? The thing that really struck me about your research and your writing was that, you know, I never, like, I, I guess I kind of realized it, but when you started to write and make your argument about this connection between public space and the figures that sort of organize those public spaces, um, it, it seems like every other statue that commemorates a person of color or a woman is in sort of that inconvenient space. And you can't really organize or gather or enjoy yourself or exchange ideas in that space. It's in like a leftover triangle or it's on, you know, it's in a place where nobody really wants to go. It's a, it's a park where, you know, nobody feels safe going to. It's in those types of places, right? Um, and then you kind of take the conversation way, way back to, to public space in general, you know, if we think about the invention of public space with, you know, we can start with the Greeks, right? The Greeks considered this public space to be the space where people, citizens can come and express, you know, the origins of democratic ideals, right? So fast forward now, you have public space and, and that being the cornerstone of democracy, and you're showing these images of a certain type of figure, right? Now you have all these uh, subliminal messages being perpetuated to a certain right. demographic that says, "Hey, this is this is democracy, but you're not necessarily included because the statues that that um, that relate to you and your race and your people are on the outskirts where you can't necessarily do that." That exchange of, of of culture and ideas and and finance and all that stuff, right? So there, I mean, there's a whole. It it makes sense. Essentially, what I'm trying to say is that it makes sense. It makes sense that this sort of image of one sort of certain demographic is perpetuated in this sort of area, right? Because that's where the the, the people that that are um, that that look like these statues are 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 moving to or you know beginning their families or working or living and all that stuff you know so it makes sense right? just to pick it up real quick so it also you know most of these statues have been around for the ones we're talking about have been around for 100 plus years mm -hmm. so you think about how societies change that just one one interesting thing i think about statues is they reflect i said this one in my writing like they reflect the 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 status and the um the conscious of the of the society right. the, at, the, at the moment when they're erected right. and it just happens that a lot of those trends continue right. but in, in a time right now where you know we just talked about certain people are moving to different places the downtowns are being reactivated things are happening in a moment where we just take a step back and think about right. you know those those statue to living person relationships you know they they can change right 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 and, it, and it's not to say that um that people of color or women haven't achieved great things in society because we all know they have right so you know, international women's day yeah it's, shout out women's day shout out <laughs> 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 but uh because we because we all know they, they've done great things throughout the course of history right but we still seem to teeter toward this certain demographic right it has to be a, a white male uh, in DC, it, it 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 turns out to be uh, some sort of war hero, right? So you know what what is going to take for us to shift to um, uh, giving some sort of cadence to these other individuals in society that don't necessarily look like the perpetuated demographic, um, so that it truly does feel equal. Like I, I'm a firm believer of imagery being able to influence people, right? So. 
you know, you, you, you hear the, you hear the phrase all the time, like, um, you are a product of your environment, you know? So if I perpetuate a certain image to you, even at a young age, right. Continuously, you're going to begin to think that this is what I can become good or bad. Right. So, you know, translate that to a larger scale. If I continually see these images of, or, or lack thereof, of people that look like me that, and don't look like me in society, as I move about the city, I'm going to begin to think that I either can or cannot attain that sort of status, right? right. Um, so this this sort of relationship between the imagery that we put in public spaces and, uh, and, and organizing in public spaces has a tremendous effect on the citizenry, you know? Tremendous effect, parks, parks included. I, I, think, I think the thing that I am constantly baffled by what the solution might be is how do you reestablish, how do you create a main street when a main street already exists in that we already have this infrastructure of these celebrated old white men on horses and they represent all of the main streets and they're already in that kind of hierarchical zone how do you how do you ever give the opportunity to have the rest of society represented in those zones once the main streets established is there a rotation that occurs is there an an evolving infrastructure on what we celebrate is there an acknowledgement that at some point we put older statues away or we relocate them and we put other emphasis on other things. It's it's like it's like how how do you then build you off build of yeah. something that's established? Right. It's a, it's a valid question, and it's it's a hard one to grapple with because regardless of of how you you know treat a certain circle that existed for a long time, you're going to offend somebody, mm-hmm. right? Um, and you actually can if you go back to the trends of how we we are seeing trends of of different kind of ways that society is reconciling with how statues are built, right? So, you know, post-World War One, post-World War Two, you start to see this kind of new, um, this new grappling with uh, more abstract statues, with more cultural art, with more, eventually more African-American statues, and, and uh, especially in D.C., you know, statues of different nationalities because of the rise of the embassy, which is kind of another whole conversation in itself. But you start. We started to see this kind of diagonal trend towards um, how we've started to create new statuary. But to your point about main streets, right? If the main street already exists, how do you replace? Or not replace. Or how do you how do you deal with that, right? Yeah. And it's been interesting. Like, I would argue that 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 notion hasn't been challenged enough. Like, there's an article. I think I was on. When I first started this, I was like Googling statues in DC and trying to find the Wikipedia articles and just see, and there's a, there's an article that comes up and it's like all 60 women statues in DC, you know, like take the tour. And I was like, oh, they're all geotagged. I'll like take the tour, whatever. And like, it, we've talked about this before, like the probably two of the 60 are like actual statues of women that like organize space. And actually there might not be any, actually there literally might be zero. So it's like either they're a secondary statue on a statue of like of a male in a male or they're in a, the corner of a park where like there might be a male in the center or they might be the idea of the body of a woman, right? They might be like, they might be titled like freedom and have like a naked woman, but that's not like a statue of a woman, right? Or they might be um, 
like the wife of a famous politician that also has a statue in the same park, like Eisenhower, for example, right? That's early. Mm-hmm. Um, or it might be um, a statue of like a Greek goddess, which is like a, and like a myth. Yeah, or, mm-hmm. or it might be right. a lot of times it's just like a, a, sa- a patron saint in front of a church, like a woman, like the Virgin Mary. Mm-hmm. Or it's, um, you peace, know, saint. Statue of peace. Peace, right. Yeah, or it's like, someone, yeah. yeah. Or it's like all the Civil War nurses, right? And we've talked about this, right? So like, mm-hmm. or it's like, uh, mm-hmm. but it's named after one nurse maybe. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, it, the, or like, you know, if you look at the um, the history with Hispanic statues in, uh, in D.C., they're all kind of at embassies, at the Organization of American States in front of, um, you know, a, a certain building. Like it's kind of part of the, uh, part of that local context, or the African American statues, which are either yeah, that was one of the compelling things that I took away from your research is that while these kind of Civil War um, statues are these city defining, a lot of the um, more contemporary statues are locally funded or or locally commissioned, and I like I wonder if they're doing the greatest amount of good in that they are representing the community that. Sure. Established and that's what we're talking about before. Found. Yeah. The overwhelming strategy for the last hundred years has been to make statues, even if they are built of a, a historically marginalized or minority or really a female statue, the, the overarching strategy has been to make it secondary. Right. And like and I get that public space is taken up by these war heroes which deserve their statues, you know. I you know, I don't know the history of all these men back in the day, but like they obviously created they did valiant feats and they deserve to be uh, monumentalized but like if we just continue to not challenge the notion of like the main street exists while we change it like conversations the only conversations that are being had are like the richmond conversations which are like should confederate statues stay and they're going to stay anyway probably which you know and it's like mm-hmm. like that it takes that much to even have the conversation right so it's like we need if we ever really want to become like a true diverse tapestry of of monumentalized people we have to challenge the main street like we really do we have to like say you know why don't we make an art installation or at least at the very least like in logan circle or like in thomas circle or in mcpherson square and like build a competing statue not a competing statue but a complementary statue or something Mm. but i think but i think a competing statue is an interesting idea because then it starts to conjure up all these feelings about people that are that are uh, experienced in that space, right? So, so take, for example, if you take one of the statues that exists down in Richmond of some Confederate general and you put it next to some prominent uh, African-American or even a white abolitionist that was directly fighting in opposition to what they were fighting for and standing for, then you're, you're starting to bring together that, that dual argument into one spot, right? I'm not just looking at this Confederate general um, and ide- I, I, um, and idealizing him. I'm also looking at him, but I'm also looking at his his competition in context. In context, right? Exactly. While I'm in in that space, right? And so that I think begins to um, uh, conjure up a, a sort of an internal conversation with, with with people that are you know in opposition or for. Uh, taking down Confederate statues, right? Because you get the gestalt, you get the whole context of the of the uh, using fancy words here. I know, um, man. Just <laughs> I was thinking Matt Bell just like popped in my yeah, head. Matt, and, yeah, exactly, man. Can't, you're gonna, can't I'm gonna I'm gonna rent that statement. I don't know if I'm gonna buy it. <laughs> I don't yet. know if I'm gonna buy it. I'll rent it. I'll rent it for a couple of weeks. But but you get the entirety of that of that argument, right? 
you not only get the person that is being heralded as uh, this 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 individual of, of of high esteem, but you also get the people that he oppressed. You know what I mean? And that I believe will help guide society to coming up with a somewhat collective decision about what to do with that. Because if you if you really think about it in, in the context of human history, I can't think of off the top of my head any statue that has existed for you know a century or, or a millennia in the same exact spot that idealized a, an individual. Most of them are like in museums now. If you think about all the the busts or the statues of you know the the Roman emperors, they're all in museums now. Um, you know all those old statues, they all exist in museums now. So it's not really forever. I don't think. Are we? Is America just old enough that we have to start having that conversation now? I think America is beginning to come old enough, right? You know, because America is very, very young. You know what I mean? We don't really have the culture and history that you know uh, France or England or you know the Italian Peninsula has, right? So we're we're wrestling not only with this idea of America and freedom and democracy, uh, but we're also wrestling with how to create equality. Uh, in all its aspects for everybody that exists in America. We're still trying to define what America is, it seems like, you know, and I think that's mm. what I've realized in the last two or three years. Like, we're still trying to define what the hell America is. I don't understand our holidays at all. They <laughs> feel they feel made up, man. They are made like, up. Like, what's our so national good. food? A hot dog? Like, like what? Wow. Like hot, hot take. Like, what? Like, <laughs> like hot pocket. 180. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, right. I, I don't know. Like yeah, when, yeah. when I look at like, like, um, uh, uh, like our Indian peers who go off and celebrate, what's it, what's it called? Holly every, oh, every the, uh, like yeah, the yeah. color, the color festival. Yeah, Hol- Hol- Holy. Hol- is that Holy? Hol- okay. Hol- okay. Hol- That's such a cool freaking festival. Yes. And, 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 and yeah, and it's, it's like rooted in their history. And it's yeah. like, like, I don't, I don't know how old it is. I'm like, but it, it, like, it feels like it's attached to something that they're doing. And I feel like the only holiday that we have that's like that is the 4th of July. And outside of that. Black Friday, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but that's what the rest of them feel like. <laughs> exactly. Like, like, right, exactly. But you're speaking to the larger context of American identity. And like, it's, you're right. It seems like we're, I'm sure every generation felt this, but it seems like we're really entering like another, another stage of the American identity. In every aspect though. Not just not just the social context or the political context, but the emotional, the mental, the the um, you know how we identify ourselves with regards to the rest of the world. Like, it, I guess in my like my parents' generation, like America meant like you know America. You know what I mean? But now, <laughs> yeah, it's it's almost like the division is: Are you with the team, or is it embarrassing to be with the team by how aggressively they're with the team? Mm. That's like that's what America feels like right now. Mm-hmm. That you are one hundred percent with America, and 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 you're you're with everything that we stand for, mm-hmm. or we're embarrassed by like how binary that is. Well, you know what? Th- think think about this. Think about the fact that we are the I think we are the largest democracy in the world. We've got to be. So, and what I mean by that is. Try taking all those individualistic opinions and trying to create a body politic out of that. And longest running democracy in the world, longest, I think. I yeah. think, which is another. I think what we're dealing right with with right now is is an issue of scale. Yes. Like yes. democracy democracies work great 
at the town level Absolutely. and at the city level Absolutely. and at the regional level. Absolutely. You want to talk about Joe Rogan's thoughts on the president? Yeah. <laughs> well, no. Joe, not, not, not Trump, but like the idea of but, a president but, in but, general. But Joe, Joe Rogan, like, I, like I'm an avid listener of the Joe Rogan I podcast. Joe Rogan I, like, I, I think he's hilarious. I love, I, I love that he is just uninhibited yeah. with every, everybody's the same to him. Yeah. And he, he wants everybody, on, like, he just wants to have fun with everybody. But oh, the guy from Fear Factor. It's, it's amazing. You go from <laughs> ludicrous. You go from eating animal testicles to like talking to Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> know, exactly. Like, how do you make that leap in like ten years? Only in America. Man. Exactly. Only in America. But but like one of the like more profound things that he talks about is like this idea of the American experiment mm-hmm. that yeah. in the first time in history we've we've taken on this large scale democracy like democracy effort. But it's still working on this kind of democratic kingship, that that it's still this top-down organization. And can one man rally a team or of woman. one man or woman? Like what? Say, can, international like like. Shout out! Yeah, shout out! Shout out! <laughs> but like, like, can can one person? rally a series of cabinet members who are then rallying an entire country like is it that i question like like I'm that starting to question more and like, more like the the scale of that like the, like not not even whether we agree with or against right. how trump is doing right. it now or whether no, right. we agree no, or no, against like how obama did it right. just like the factor of scale right. is it even possible for somebody to right. to handle you're, this organization you're trying to get 320 million people to think the exact same way. Yeah. Or at least or at least move in a relatively same direction. Yeah. So so for example, like I grew up in the Midwest. There's a total different sort of sense of being compared to like growing up on the Northeast or growing up on the West Coast. Like it's it's almost like America is five or six different states. Yeah. Oh absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah, we're we're like we're like five or six different countries that happen to like have one bounding box that we all share. So think about this though: we are the city that's supposed to represent all those places, right? And we happen to be the nation's capital, the the capital of the world, right? The most powerful city in the world. It's probably not true, but like in reality, like we're (laughs) yeah. But if you bring it back to this physical manifestation of like of diversity, we're supposed to be the place that is the tapestry of diversity, right? Like, so this conversation is a much different conversation to have in like Oklahoma City or like Madison or, or like San Antonio or New York. Like, this is supposed to be the place where all those, all of those, you know, five states of the, of the country can get along. Mm-hmm. So like, if, if social and moral being is now just as valuable as everything else, as we're, we're trying to tell ourselves in the United States right now, if, if like the real social changes are happening, if that should be something that like is held to the highest regard, shouldn't our city start to like implement policy that, that, that reflects that like importance of like social and moral change. If a statue, Wait, what's, an, what's an example of that? A lot of these statues have this idea of who's funding it. Right. And there's a lot of corporations and people pushing certain statues, certain people like, why don't we put money behind like historically marginalized or new diversity or new new statues that that or or public art even not just statues or public art that that create this like new tapestry that people can get behind this diverse new movement going forward. I, I want to tie it back into this conversation and how we can kind of relate to the kind of physical manifestation of the diversity of the country because we're supposed to be the city that is that central nexus. Yeah, I 
Well, so so let's talk about the Martin Luther King statue then. Okay. Well, I just I, I one of the things I studied when I was doing this research was the time after someone died that their statue was built. Mm-hmm. And like I mean, it took fifty years to build a statue of Martin Luther King. Which is pretty crazy. That's like multiple generations of people. If we're just now recognize in 2011 when it was built, we were just now kind of recognizing the importance of of that. Like, what does that say about the lapse of kind of time and judge? Like, most presidents get a statue within eight or nine years. Most you know, most important generals to get statues within whatever decade or two. But like, what does that tell us about like how how we valued? people of color or people of well think about this if you go to any major metropolitan city i guarantee you they have a martin luther king drive or a martin luther king boulevard and i guarantee you it is in the most poorest place poorest mm-hmm. area of that city yeah detroit for detroit uh is, is no different dc is no different atlanta is no different what do you think about the statue uh, I, I I love the metaphor of the statue. I think the the actual artistic representation of it can be debated, but I, I'm more so um, critical of the location. Like it's it's again, if we're if we're talking about the 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 National Mall being the sort of backyard of America, right? Then the statues and the buildings, you know, um, uh, notwithstanding the the new African American Museum, um, then we should be putting people. That represent the diversity of America yeah. in all its races, right smack in the middle, in, in the backyard of Amer- of America, right? Yeah. You know, and you you have you still have you have a monument to Washington and Lincoln and, and and Roosevelt, and then you have Martin Luther King, who is literally who literally has his back to to all that. You know what I mean? So, and I and I love and again I love the metaphor of Mar- the MLK statue, but. Um, you know, again, it, it just it just kind of alludes to how we view tangentially the the uh, the, the the history that is Martin Luther King uh, in this country and and all that he did for civil rights, not just of black people, but just poor people in general. Like he he was a champion of of poor people in general, um, and and he was one of the I think he was one of the progressives. That were trying to merge the 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 poor whites and 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 the minorities early on when people thought it was just a, a black and white thing, you know, it, it wasn't about that. It was about this idea of America, like the the general idea of America that all men, regardless of race, are equated equal, right? And he was fighting for that, even though he was black, and it seemed like he was fighting just for black people. He was trying to move toward this idea that our founding father. Uh, founding fathers created right but mark has mentioned though like, like it could have been placed in a more prominent location that's all someone's saying right? i think it's in a very prominent location to be, the, the, to be on the reservoir we're talking like, about a, un- like adjacent to thomas jefferson yeah the, the poetics of it is it's looking across the reservoir it's it's looking right at thomas jefferson but like how many people actually see it every day unless they purposely try to go there that's what i'm trying to that's unless, unless you're swimming in the title basin. unless you're a tourist or you're I'm swimming in the title basin, which i don't think anyone swims in the title basin. <laughs> but but i would i would make the argument that paddle like bowl, like bowl. who's who's right down the who's right down the sidewalk from him theodore roosevelt and that entire kind of eisenhower uh, eisenhower roosevelt okay. has his own damn island yeah uh, yeah roosevelt, he yeah he's the most he's, sec- he's, he's the most secluded level, out of the way like yeah. monuments ever but like so the roosevelt's on his own little island 
Eisenhower, he's kind of hidden amongst the, the, the brush and stonework of this this kind of meandering pathway. I, I, th- I think he got a pretty prominent location on the... When you're standing at Jefferson... Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not going to argue the, that it's not prominent. I'm not arguing that it's not prominent. It's prominent in some ways. The idea is that statuary can be an unconscious observance rather than a conscious as well, right? Like McPherson Square, 10 to 15,000, 20,000 people go by there every day. They will see that imagery, and it'll become like ingrained in their in their like in their in the collective unconscious yeah, as I well. I think I much rather have MLK like in the midst of the city. You know what I mean? That's my opinion. Kind of speaks I, to the nature of like this. The, we have, there's multiple scales of DC. It's national. It's local. It's right. state. You know, it has like a lot of scales to it. But I, I get what Austin's saying. Like people no, I, are going I, I, to visit. I completely get what you're saying. I, I wonder like. The thought I'm having is I've known who Martin Luther King is my entire life, but um, Thomas in Thomas Circle, I've never known who that guy is until until I started biking past him on my way to work last year. And and Thomas is in what would be considered a way more prominent, urbanly positioned location than than Martin Luther King. But I've I've known about Martin Luther King my whole life and. And and his, I think his presence, he might be, I guess in my opinion, a bad example because I think any, such a any, radical like, example. Like, and, Everybody any, knows who yeah, Martin Luther King if is. You, if you right. put him anywhere in the city, we would always know who he is and we'd always just say, oh, if you want to go see Martin Luther King, go to Northeast or go to Southwest or go across, right. go across the Potomac. But I, but I don't know. So if you, put, if you put Martin Luther King in Southwest... I don't know if people would go would go to Southwest. You know what I mean? They I, would they would they would go just to see him. Like they wouldn't they wouldn't maybe. go for the we- reservoir or go to go like for a run around the reservoir and right. see it on the or make it part of like a monument trail. Uh, they would right. they would they would be like a like a a singular excursion. Yeah, but like we yeah. should also point this out. There's literally no statues in Southeast or Southwest at all. Yeah, <laughs> there's like two. There's a couple in Southwest because the stadium, and there's like. I think there's one or two in Southeast that I like that are very small. But like, if we think about DC, DC is a lot bigger than just the downtown, and it's like it's just starting to branch out. So, and so, and so to your point, I think that correlates to the lack of. Again, you can look at any major city, the lack of public space in those types of neighborhoods, right? Because I mean, usually we put objects in to or help organize space. So you have a lack of statues, a lack of uh, remembrance and and and, and honors toward, toward certain individuals, and that correlates. I I, I bet if you expanded this re- this research, that be- I bet that correlates to a lack of public green space in um, in those types of neighborhoods, predominantly poor African American minority neighborhoods. You know what I mean? So I mean, all this stuff is connected, right? Yeah, and it and it and it dates back centuries, you know, to to how we as humans view and use public space. We often talk. We talked about before, like where do you start a revolution? Like we talked about that concept yeah, before. Exactly. You know, like where would people go? People would obviously go to the National Mall, right. like here. But like, you know, there's no place to start a revolution in Southeast. Like where where is the place where no. people like if they people wanted to like like say something happened, there was no power, and people were like trying to figure out what's going on. There's always got to be a place to go, right? Like you, like something, some incredible emergency or incredible this thing is happening. Where do people go to congregate to talk to each other? Like you know, in right. certain neighborhoods. And sometimes there's no place for that. Right, right. And again, back to my original point. You know, in a democracy, public space at the foundation of that. We think about so since we're, since we're on the topic of Martin Luther King, we think about his march on Washington when he gave the, his "I Have a Dream" speech. You know, it happened in a public space. You know what I mean? All these significant moments happened in public space. We think about um, 
uh, the the uh, the the Boston what is it called the Boston Tea Tea Party Tea Party nah. yeah is, is that what it's called the Boston Tea Party yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. when that, there was the tea tax and then yeah, they threw that, all the tea in the river in, yeah yeah in, in downtown, Tea Party means something different now down, yes it's totally different <laughs> <laughs> not a fan uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but that happened in an urban public space and environment you know what I mean so you. you Again, there's a direct correlation. If we if we think about, we can even look at um, North North Korea, like just for an extreme example, and how um, their leader likes to put on these public displays in public spaces. You know what I mean? So, public space is the form, the backdrop, the stage for all these sort of um, events that announce how a society feels or how a society is going to react. And, or respond to another society's attack or 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 or, uh, or message toward them, right? We we do that in a public space as a society. Yeah. You know what I mean? And when you when you deprive certain people of that um, uh, th- that accessibility, then you deprive them of their voice. You know? Let me ask you another question. So, in the age of kind of this is kind of a new gear, but like in the age of of the internet, mm-hmm. how did mm-hmm. is that the new public space and you know, like you got to think about, mm. you know, how, like, say, the most popular website that could do, that could create a statue or an immemorial to someone. But, like, mm. the idea of like physical manifestation of space, like yeah. the creation of actual public space is so different now. But, like, the value of public space versus the platform and availability of global communication and the internet, like, yeah. that changes the necessity to get out and go to that circle and talk to people, right? So, how does that? How does that change this this kind of idea of urban planning in the age of the internet? I, th- I think it creates a, and, and this is entirely a, a totally different conversation. Um, is it? I think so. I think so a little bit because I, I think next it, episode part two. I, th- I think it's the next episode, but because um, I'm I'm more of a humanist when it comes to like technology. I believe that technology can advance human society, but I don't think it should be a generator of 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 where we we should go i think we should use technology to go where we as humans determine where we need to go but when you start to have technology dictate how we live our lives then i think that's something different and and i think that's what social media is starting to do to society it's giving us this false impression of what life is supposed to be like right and again not to be too metaphysical but you know humans were created to have interaction like our, our physiology is literally created to interact with one another, right? Not through some sort of medium. Um, uh, so when you start to take that away, I think you take away the essence of what it means to be human, what it means to, you know, know one another, right? Um, and so in, in, in that regard, I think public space should never should never uh, lose its prominence in, in, in human society. And technology has its place, but again, it, it should never be the dominant way we communicate with each other. And that's exactly what we're having today. And I think, I hope at some point, you know, we start to get away from that and start to realize that, you know, hey, we're, you know, so, so for example, like, you know, you have people that communicate on all these different blogs um, and, you know, say all types of things on the chat rooms and all that stuff. I guarantee you they would not say that <laughs> in real life to that person, right? And so again, you're you're giving this person either a false confidence or a false form to uh not act like 
they would in a face-to-face context, right? I think it's fascinating that one of the greatest fears that we have isn't death or heights, but it's public speaking. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something about the fact that when you are in front of a group of people speaking, Mm -hmm. it's almost you're, you're put on the, the pedestal to, to then kind of present your worth to a group of people. Mm -hmm. They, they, they view your biology, they view your presence, they view your tone, your voice, Mm -hmm. everything's happening in real time. And it's human. And it's human. human. And it goes into things like, um, if you're walking down the street, if you get within say like 12 feet of somebody, Mm -hmm. both people um, look up and engage each other visually as a safety check. Yeah. There's there's something about proxi- proximity between two people mm-hmm. in real time in person mm-hmm. that is a biological gut check. Right. And and just as we're kind of recording this podcast, which is a contemporary forum or a contemporary rostrum back in in Roman or like like <laughs> I went, rostrum went to architecture school <laughs> but, but like 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 but 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 the bind like the binary or the the manual version of that is yeah. that people used to get up on soapboxes or used right. to get up on raised platforms the and sp- like yeah, speak yeah. out to literal masses. Yeah. And we now no longer have that kind of biological gut check. And so it's, it's, it's opened up the forum to everybody to have these conversations yeah. where, um, so the, the point st- where it's too much though. I yes. Think, I think it's too much. Yeah. So, so, the, so I guess I'm kind of taking this into the idea of who do we idolize? And the original version of that is statuary, right. but now we have, Instagram idolization mm. or or Snapchat idolization or like like I follow Beyonce just like like 2.5 million other people and she's as much a statue right. of Instagram is as like as Martin Luther King is as a statue on the on, on the uh, on the, the at the reservoir sure. it's just kind of what what platform these people are being presented on well let me let me let me pose this question then I just sure. thought of something so as you always do. back to the physical back to the back to the <laughs> no, Rasta, back to the physical nature of materiality right so imagine we have a new circle uh, in DC maybe maybe the old Truxton circle gets gets oh, we bring, bring it back bring, up bring Truxton circle we bring back. Tru- <laughs> like there is a circle that exists under there I think yeah, it is it's, it's so remnants of it are still there so in the next ten years when we're all going to be doing the, making the urban planning decisions yeah. so, so like say we bring bring Truxton circle back up and there's a you'll public- just be doing for Detroit. <laughs> All right, listen, motherfucker. All right, so there's a there's a public competition to say which statue should be in the middle of the trucks and circle, right? Yeah. So what if in the technology is definitely already at this point. What if instead of a statue, we had a hologram that changed every day? Like almost like the Google the Google homepage changes every day, right? Like today there's something for National Women's Day, there's something for Black History Month. There's a little some there's a design, there's a little like homepage that changes every day, right? Oh, home the screen. Google homepage, yeah. yeah it's been like, like the go, Olympics for the last to, couple of weeks. Go to Google.com right now. Let's just see what it is. It's yeah. probably it's, well, it's probably somebody's birthday because we're post uh, post Olympics. No, it's Women's Day. Uh, International Women's Day. International Women's it's probably like purple or something. So so this so this is as much of a platform and there's a video attached to it so this is as much of a platform as as, oh yeah it's got all the different women sure right yeah exactly so because this reaches as many people it's very powerful but it's fleeting right Mm -hmm. so a statue 
is forever, right? Or until some revolution topples it or until a major earthquake, as we've seen in all of our archaeology and architecture classes, right? Mm-hmm. So like, what if that statue was like a hologram that changed every day? And would that be, that would, that would inherently be different than something that's there forever, right? So, like, where are we going with this? Could, could that be something that happens? Like, so, it, but so, the, what's what's the difference in the emotional attachment between a statue, a hologram statue, and Beyonce on on Instagram? Because she's as kind of because meta- when Beyonce meta- dies, her Instagram will be gone. No, but but what I'm what I'm, what I'm saying is that statue in the middle. Of, if we could put a Beyonce statue in the middle of the National Mall, it'd be fine. I mean, that'd be cool. I, I would, like, but I would almost. I would almost. She'd be argue, there forever. She'd be there for. I guess what I'm saying is, I would almost argue that Beyonce would probably have a greater presence as an Instagram statue. And you might be right. Then, then a probably, hologram statue that was a changing person every yeah, day. Yeah, but like, but but because if you choose to put something in stone, it's like the oldest mantra in architecture, right? If you put something in stone. You're, you're, you're saying that's important. Mm-hmm. So like, if we, if we don't, you know, it, it, like, yes, like we just talked about the kind of fleeting nature of media and like the Beyonce Instagram, something's new every day. But like, if there was a, it's like the presidential libraries, like if Obama has his presidential library, it's there forever. And that's his mark. Like that's his statue is there. Like, yes, Obama has other things that are going on, but like, that's his, like, that's why they're presidential libraries because they have to have something that's going to be there forever. Right. So it's like, there's a difference between the forever and fleeting, right? And and I don't, the influence of this Google homepage is probably seen by 50 million, hundreds of million, even a billion people today. I don't know. I think there's a difference though between a sort of Instagram public forum and like an actual public forum because I don't know when I when I think of like a like a public space and that exchange of dialogue between people, I think of people actually listening, and I don't. I don't see a lot of listening on social media. It's just everybody reacting, reacting, or responding, and nobody actually saying, "Oh, oh, that kind of makes sense." I never thought about it though. There's, there's not a lot of that, you know what I mean? Um, and so again, I just kind of like I get it. I, I get where technology is taking us. I don't necessarily agree with it. I don't necessarily disagree with it, but I kind of always revert back to like the essence of 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 like the the origination of a thing right and that is sort of what is the foundation of 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 whatever and in this in this particular context we're talking about you know a dialogue and and the uh statuary and all that um and i think that will always or should always persist in some foundational uh way you know and all these other things are sort of subordinate to that like you know instagram and the social media but there, there's no substitute for like a face-to-face conversation and interaction in a public space with your fellow man, right? Like you can't, I don't think you can compensate for that. And so t- taking it back to the, to the statue argument, again, if you only have a certain uh, individual or imagery of a certain um, race in those public spaces where that stuff happens, you're going to get people that... Um, that are going to feel like they're not welcome there. So that take take that to your point where you have this sort of rotating image. I think that's that's kind of an interesting idea, you know, because it's it's sort of indicative of the racial complexity that exists in America today. Like you know, where we're headed, you know, in 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 twenty thirty years, the 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 racial context of America is not going to be primarily white is going to be primarily mixed not even like one race is going to be like primarily three types of you know racial makeups right that's that's what that's where we're headed you know what i mean so 
it's it's almost like where we're what we're trying to stay is going to be totally in in conflict with where we're going right we're going to we're trying to like you see you see the whole uh, arrival of this sort of neo-nazi movement right it doesn't make sense because that's not that's not what our makeup is right you you can't be a neo-nazi because your your mother was was black or your your you know your father was a, was an american indian was indian was a cherokee or something like that you know you can't you can't do that i, I don't know what's going to happen 10 years from now when we've all been um when we're all in the database of 23 and me or or yeah, like yeah, yeah. or like yeah. his like history tree online or yeah. i just did that did you did yeah you my yeah yeah, my dad, my dad, and my, my dad, and my stepmom just did that, and they're gonna send my brother and I like the kit in 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 a couple of weeks. But like, what's what's gonna happen when we're all on the database, and we're we're all like one one hundredth Mongolian or something? Like like how how well, how do we? Genghis Khan would have. You know. the, 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 that's kind of why I said it. He like he he kind of he, he like he pushed the limits on how far exactly. you can can sow the seed. He has like twenty eight million direct offspring. Or yeah, but is he really? yeah, he does. The number's probably wrong, but sure this is a great Radio Lab episode. It's crazy, man. <laughs> Shout out Radio Lab. Yeah, <laughs> but like like I I don't I'm 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 gonna it's gonna be a very interesting occurrence how we have this this social dialogue when we're all in the database and we realize that we're all each other. What is that? What's that dialogue going to be at that point? That'll be an interesting dialogue. And then, but I think that'll start to change all this stuff, you know, like all the statues. Yeah. I think, I think it would. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, like how long does it take for like, like we were all immigrants at one point, like how long does it take for that immigrant? You know, like I have, I have German and, and, English background and like certain ancestry was always, you know, the a lower class or a higher class. And like, how long does it take for like someone to say, okay, now I'm an American. Like now I'm part of the tapestry. Now I'm, now I'm someone that can say, I'm someone that can control immigration. Like, is there has been, has there been Hispanic families here for hundreds of years that can say I'm more American than any white dude around? Like, right. but it's like, who has the power to say that my statue belongs or my statue doesn't, you know? And it, it's like, it's going to be a constantly evolving spectrum, right? right. No, absolutely. Which is which kind of makes it an interesting social dialogue. We and, and we don't think about it like the majority of us. I don't think we think about statues in that in that way. We just kind of like walk past them and not really think about oh this this guy used to be a Confederate general. You know, well this guy, you know, he owned slaves or you know what have you. We just sort of inhabit the space and not and not really realize that we're actually giving reverence to this individual, good or bad. You know what I mean. So I think I think we're probably at the point for final thoughts on this because I think we're trying to circle back on some of these same issues. But the the whole thing we can circle back on the Charlottesville issue and the the idea that a lot of Confederate statues and a lot of statues that are very hurtful to people still exist in the public eye, and this idea of history versus context. Like, do we? You know, it, it, it's such a hard conversation to have. And what are what are your jumping off thoughts for you know moving forward and thinking about how this is all going to unfold and how to kind of wrap up a lot of the things we've talked about? Like, the issue is very pressing, but is are we putting enough pressure on it, or is it kind of falling back to the wayside? You know, what, you know, what do you think? I think it is kind of falling to the wayside because, to Austin's point about social media sort of taking us. In all different time, or your point of social media about taking us to all these different points at the same time, right? We can never sit down and focus on uh, a one thing. I remember my, uh, I think it was my grandfather who told me 
about how the 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 social uh, progressive movement of his day is totally different from the social progressive movement of today because there's always something right you you can't you can't galvanize enough people to stay focused on one thing so that they can push toward you know some sort of you know end collective end right you think about civil rights it was it was a whole bunch of people galvanizing themselves over decades to push toward you know voting rights or being able to integrate schools or whatever I don't I don't I don't know if you can get that today. The noise is just so loud. Yeah, because you know, okay, today it's um the the statue in Charlottesville, tomorrow it's guns, tomorrow it's, you know, police shootings, you know. And 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 it, honestly, it's it's all tied together, but it's it's so it's so sporadic and 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 um unitary focused that you can't get anything done, you know what I mean? So I don't. I don't really know. I don't really know. I, I just think it's it's a diff, it's a different it's a different um, uh, beast that you got to try to tackle, um, and I don't really know how to do that. Besides the fact, um, um, just kind of take it one step at a time. Yeah. It's it's, it's maybe that's it's, all we can do. I think so. I I like I I think maybe I guess kind of my final thoughts on this this whole conversation. Um, as as I get older. I'm coming to this realization that I can speak to the world, but I can only change my neighborhood. That that there's there's this I can I can put things out, but I can't expect the world to pick like everybody to pick it up, but I can focus my energy on the people directly around me. I can help those, those neighbors, the people in my community, my direct friends. I can, I can rally the hearts of the people in my lives and then I can speak to the larger world, but I can't ever expect to rally the hearts of the world. And, and I guess my kind of hope is that, that if, if I'm doing that locally, within the people that are in my circle, other people who hear the words of the world and, and agree with the, the kind of direction of the world, they are also speaking locally and moving locally. And so with a lot of the statuary, all the, the more contemporary statues that are, that are rally based and representing, um, these emergent, um, uh, demographics or, or, or under um, appreciated demographics, they are happening locally and in neighborhoods or mm-hmm. in rallying groups. And I think that's I think that's just how the world works is in that it's it's the the efforts come from the presence of need and and these communities are are representing themselves and they're lifting themselves up. And I think that's just going to happen in more and more places. And eventually we're going to get to a tipping point where if enough communities and enough people rally and create the, the imagery and the projections and the movements in enough places, the tipping point will then push the world in, in one more dial and in a direction. And until then we're just kind of speaking at the world, but we're making the change happen locally. Or, or we to to your point earlier about scale, or we just sort of separate into, you know, these sort of separate states or separate separate areas. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you know, to your point about scale, it's just 
it just seems like to be able to galvanize this many people around one central message without being an authoritarian or a monarchical uh, social order, it's very difficult to do that. You know? Yeah. A- except at the local scale, you know, so at the scale of like counties or cities, I think it's much more manageable, you know, uh, because the local politics and the local ideologies with regards to who gets, you know, placed in the, in the, in the city square, we can manage that, you know, but on a national scale, on a, on a, on, a, on a, even on an international scale, I think it's very difficult, you know, um, to do that. And so I think, I mean, it's, it's a story that, that history has told us time and time again, right? You look at the Roman empire, you know, it became this grand microcosm that eventually dissolved into these smaller, smaller states, right? You think of every, essentially, essentially every major empire that every dom- that ever dominated the world, the Ottoman Empire, the, the Arabic or the Moorish Empire, the Roman Empire, you know, all these empires amassed great power, but they also amassed great scale with that. And essentially that scale either directly or indirectly led to their demise in, in some, in some, you know, shape or another. So um, America is, very young and we're dealing with issues that I don't think the world has ever dealt with because we are an experiment and we're, we're doing things politically that I don't think we've ever done as, as a human society ever before. So it's a totally different set of problems. But I think if, if history holds true, um, there's going to be, you know, probably not in our lifetime or our, our children or our grandchildren's lifetime, but at some point, you know, in the next you know, three, four, five centuries, there will there will be some, like you said, tipping point, some breaking point where that civil war that we had 150 years ago is actually going to be a civil war, and there will be a separation of state and powers and and into different um, entities, right? Um, because you you just have so many people and so many opinions to to sort of uh, uh, bring into one that it, it it'll just be impossible. So. Um, that's scale. A, that's a scale. that's a great note to end this on. I think, unless you guys have other thoughts. No, I was good. No, unless, yeah. you, unless you have some thoughts. No, yeah. but I mean, like, ended on like world domination in the civil war, and like, <laughs> I, that's exactly what we want here. <laughs> I think we should end it with a wah, 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 wah. <laughs> local to global, man. I love it. Local to global. That should be the title of this episode. Hey everyone, Ken and I just wanted to thank you again for listening to the episode. The Table Sessions podcast is produced and edited by me, Austin Raymond, and Ken Filler, and is a product of The Table Sessions Media, a collaborative platform for audio, visual, and written content. Our theme music was created by Dan Filler. You can find more from Dan on Bandcamp.com, such as his album, As the Soil Turns Red. If you like what you heard, you can visit our website, thetablesessions.com, to check out our full range of content. You can also follow us on Instagram at Table Sessions, where we post photos and content from each episode. Also, if you'd like to support our cause in more tangible ways, you can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the table sessions for exclusive updates and more. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you again next episode.